Happy New Year and welcome back to another episode of Baller Island. We've got a stacked episode coming right up. We got college football playoff to talk about what a semifinal it was. And we've also got a national championship game to discuss as well. It is week 18 in the NFL. We are down to the final week of the regular season. We will recap all the craziness from week 17. And of course, we will look ahead to week 18. Some big games, including the AFC East championship game between the Bills and the Finns. We'll talk about that and look ahead to Super Wildcard Weekend as well. So keep it locked. A lot of football talk coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. What's poppin' friends? Happy New Year and welcome back to the island. Jay Sahoda, Bilal Lahi. We got a lot of football to get to on this episode as we have our national championship matchup set and ready to go for Monday night between the number one team in the country, the Michigan Wolverines, who finally overcame the hum. That is their first bowl win since 2015, which was Jim Harbaugh's first season. They advanced after an insane game against Alabama in overtime at the Rose Bowl, and then Washington took down Texas in the Sugar Bowl in what was a crazy ending there as well. So it will be Michigan and Washington for the national championship on Monday night. We'll talk about that. Week 16 was absolutely wild. We're going to get to all of that there. And then, of course, we'll dive into the playoff scenarios as well. And um, RJ Barrett came back home to Toronto. So a lot of a lot of stuff, B, a lot of stuff to touch on. Yep. I mean, we got – I mean, that, that NBA trade caught, I think, everybody off guard because we're all we're, – everybody's just dialed into football by now. We got to spend a little bit of time on basketball today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we'll we'll very very briefly kind of just gloss over that trade right there. So OG Ananobi era in Toronto is over. He is headed to the New York Knicks. He already had his debut the other night. Had 17 points in that one. Looked pretty good for the Knicks. I know B, you and I were talking about it a few days ago when the trade happened. OG fits exactly what Tibbs looks for and what he's trying to do in New York. Just that defensive style, hard nosed kind of guy. You know, he'll get you a few points here and there, but mainly he's a defensive guy. So I think he'll fit what the Knicks are trying to do really well. And then RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly come to Toronto, which I like it. I like I like RJ Barrett. I don't think RJ Barrett is, you know, necessarily one of the top guys going to come in and drop like 20, 30 a night. But I do think he'll be a great complimentary player to Scotty Barnes, who's going off every night for the Raptors. And then... Whatever we do with Pascal Siakam, if he only has two months left as a Toronto Raptor, if you'll be here till April, we have no idea. But I do like that, and I think quickly will fit in nicely as well. And then also Malachi Flynn and Precious Achua were also shipped off to New York as well. Yeah, I mean, this trade is like, I feel like the jury is out on like every single player in this trade so far. It's like we have no idea. Um, it feels like OG's just kind of been sitting there for Toronto for years, like, mm-hmm. he kind of just needed a fresh start. Same thing could be said about RJ, like, RJ's yeah. not the Tibbs kind of guy, so you give him a fresh start, where else would you do it rather than Toronto? And then quickly, also, like, just buried on that Tibbs, like, you know, Tibbs doesn't like those kind of guys. Just buried under that. He needs a fresh start. Who knows what quickly could be. Um, I think quickly will be kind of nice for the Raptors. Kind of, we talked about it the other day, but, like, the Raptors have no quickness no burst at all so i think quickly will be a nice change of pace for some of those guards that the raptors have had over the years that are just like you know the lowry's the van fleets the shooters they all kind of just slow thick guard you know what i mean so yep. you got a little guy like quickly who can just blow by somebody that's like a real change of pace for the rap so i, mean, I don't think this pushes the needle either way i think both teams are going to make another move around the deadline i think new york's going to add another piece and Toronto might be sellers. So I think it's just kind of set the tone for, for another move coming later. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's the overall expectation as to what we think is going to happen. I mean, we thought that was going to happen last year and Masai decided not to do anything. Um, but deciding to do something right before the new year, I think was a, it was a decent move. And again, like I, I liked RJ at Duke. I think he's had his moments in New York, but he hasn't really lived up to his his draft pick, which I believe was a top five pick um, or third overall. Yeah. I don't think he's lived up to that. 
Um, but again, I'm, I'm hoping to see RJ hopefully be a part of this now younger core that the Raps will hopefully build on because Scotty has shown a lot of promise. And RJ, I think coming home to Canada, I think he's definitely a little more hyped up than usual. So we'll see what happens. And that's a good point about quickly, too, because the point guard position without Fred has been interesting. I mean, Dennis is so hot and cold. One night he's great. One night he's awful. It's just we're not getting any consistency out of there. The Malachi Flynn experiment's over. So hopefully Emmanuel quickly will fit in um, nicely there. So we'll keep an eye out on to see how that trade ends up panning out for both squads as the season progresses there. Um, let's get right to the gridiron now. And I'm actually just going to start here. We're going to start with the college football playoff. But before I even get to that, I just want to take a minute here to say thank you. I just want to say thank you and a huge, massive shout out to Jonathan Gannon, Kyler Murray, James Conner, and everybody who was dressed in all white and for the Arizona Cardinals, all 53 guys, thank you. Arizona, and this is probably the only time I will ever say this because they're a divisional rival of the Niners, but on Sunday afternoon, these dudes have one of the worst records in the NFL, go into the Lions' den in the link to play the Eagles, who we know are struggling, had absolutely no business no business going into Philadelphia and pulling out a 35-31 shocker when I tell you I have never jumped up and down for another team that is not the Niners, let alone an NFC West rival, to see the Cardinals do what they did on Sunday over Philadelphia, which ended up giving the 49ers home field advantage in the NFC playoffs and a whole lot more. That also gave the Dallas Cowboys one win away from winning the NFC East after all of this and also be that affected your Patriots, which we'll get to in a few minutes as well. I guess that bumped up the Patriots draft order and the Cardinals fall down. But thank you. Happy holidays to everybody in Arizona. And thank you. I needed to get that off my chest. But hey, man, Drew Locke a few weeks ago and now Kyler Murray. Hey, round of applause, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for looking like absolute trash four times this year against the Niners and then balling out against the Cowboys and Eagles. Well done. Well done. Hey man, that the the we're going to talk more about it, but I don't know what's going on over there in Philly now. It's like it's <laughs> it's a it's a complete shit show what's going on over there. But hey, we'll talk a little bit more down down the line here. That defense is a whole lot more than just Swiss cheese right now. Like they got some huge issues there, and I think it also goes to show you that moving Sean Desai away from the play calling was the least of their problems because they've looked just as bad, if not worse, with Matt Patricia at the helm. But yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit later. Uh, but I need to get that out. And it's funny because I was going into this game and I'm like, all right, the Niners trying to get the ones he's going to come down to the last week now after that awful loss to Baltimore. They're going to play the Rams. The Rams have something to play for. And I'm like, I don't like that. Oh, the Rams are playing kind of hot right now. Now that game is absolutely meaningless. It's great, but I think the key thing here for the Cardinals is we've been talking about it all year. I don't think a lot of people may have really noticed it. It's like, what the hell is wrong with the Eagles? But we've talked about it a little bit. I know a lot of national media has talked about it a little bit, but both coordinators from last year are not there. And one of those dudes running that awful defense that we've been seeing every weekend for the last four or five weeks was led by the Head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, who just took it right to that Eagles defense. I think was a cool story there. Um, but man, what a game! What a game there! And that, that one head, did you see the one handed catch by James Conner? I think it was on a third or fourth. Oh my god, like I was like, that is not a three and 12 team, but that, that is a team playing for their playoff lives. And these guys had literally nothing to play for. I rate it, I rate that, I rate that pretty hard. Let's go to the college football playoff here because here's another, another guy, another team that obviously. I, I, everyone knows I love Jim Harbaugh from his Niner days. He went to Michigan. I've never really cared for Michigan football prior to Harbaugh getting hired there. I've followed them ever since a little bit here and there. This was like this whole season's been insane because you've had this team in general is disgusting. Defense is top notch. McCarthy's balling out. Blake Corum coming back. He's balling out. Michigan has been basically unbeatable the whole year, the whole year. Then you've had the Harbaugh scandal stuff with the cheating stuff going off the field that oftentimes will drag a team down yet this team stayed together got to this point and overcame what was just an an, an honestly an instant classic in Pasadena against Alabama 27-20 in overtime 
Um, Bieno, you and I were, were scratching our heads at that final play by Jalen Milrow. I think the snap was a little awful, which happened a lot in that second half. That center, some of those snaps were coming out a little ugly, but Bama falls short there. What were your thoughts from Bama, Michigan? Dude, it was just, I mean, it ended up being a really good game because of what happened at the end. Um, the one drive at the end with Michigan and then to make it go to overtime. And then from there, it was just a lot of, a lot of entertainment. Um, but you mentioned the snaps from Alabama, the special teams from Michigan. I don't know what the hell was happening over there. Hot mess. Um, and then even like there was, you know, like some trickery plays that we saw McCarthy had to make an Odell Beckham like catch to even save that from going seven the other way. Uh, it was like just a weird, wacky game. Like it felt like nerves were all over the place. But uh, I think what came down to was like that play call. Kind of like it felt like everybody knew that was going to happen, and it was like Alabama just doesn't have um, like you know the same kind of talent that they've always had at their skill position guys, where where basically their offense is just always Milrow running up the middle. So for that to happen at the last thing, Michigan was ready for it. They went timeout after timeout, both teams, and it was just like I don't think the play changed. I think it was just Milrow running it up the gut, and kind of disappointing ending. Kind of disappointing play to end the game. Yeah, that's a that's, that's a brutal way to end the season for Alabama. I mean, obviously there was a lot of controversy going in with them getting in to the college football playoff in general. But I, I think Bama definitely showed. I think even Texas, like all four teams, showed why they should have been there because both games were fantastic and down to the wire. Um, but yeah, Michigan. I almost thought this game was almost a microcosm of their entire season. It's they're so good, they're so dominant, but there were mistakes here and there. Like, the special teams was a disaster. And the turnover, like, first play of the game, McCarthy almost throws an interception on the first play of the game. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, no. Like, what the hell is going on here? I was, like, they're down 17, 13, second half, and I'm like, here we go. Here's another Jim Harbaugh bowl game L, and a Harbaugh can't win the big ones, and here we go again. And yet they, they came back. They went right down the field. McCarthy threw up a prayer on that final drive. What a catch by Roman Wilson. Put them in position to, to tie the game up. Just honestly, just it's just an unbelievable game. And I think Kirk Herbstreet said it after the game. He's like, I think every national championship should be held at the Rose Bowl. I'm so for it. There's something about that stadium that's just like so iconic. Every game that's played there is just a classic I think that that should, I mean, it used to be back in the day before they started using the NFL stadiums. The national championship always used to be at the Rose Bowl. I think they should probably reconsider that because what a game, what a setting, what a, I, that game lived up to the hype that I had before this game. Where I'm like, damn, Michigan, Bama, Harbaugh, Saban, Rose Bowl doesn't get any better than this, and that game lived up to the hype. And then shortly after that, your boy Michael Penix has a day against the Texas Longhorns. It was looking a little dicey at times for Texas when Washington went up by two scores, but Texas found a way to come back in the game, and they had their chance down first and goal with under 30 seconds to play, and they just couldn't punch it in. Yeah. uh, I mean, Texas, for Texas to even get back into that game is major props for them because it looked like, it looked like Washington was just running all, like it it looked like Washington was a way better team, but you know, Texas kind of hung around, gave themselves a chance. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the best team won. And you look at both of these games, the best, you know, all four of these teams have, you know, whatever coaches are all good in all four of these teams. But the two best quarterbacks won in both of these games. So I think that kind of just shows it's like, you know, it's it's still, you know, whoever going to come down to it, it's going to be you need your quarterback to make a play. Milrow couldn't make the play. Uh, McCarthy could make the play and panics balled out of his mind. So I feel like that's just kind of how, how fitting it is for this college football playoff so far. Oh, absolutely. I think I can't remember all the quarterbacks that were on the style and they showed it at the end of the Washington game, all the quarterbacks in recent years that have thrown for over 400 yards in a college football playoff. And you had Trevor Lawrence was on that list. Joe Burrow was on that list. Um, I can't remember who else. I think it was, Justin Fields or someone else, but there was a few others that are all NFL quarterbacks in today's in today's NFL. Um, and Michael Penix was was masterful on this day. 29 for 38, 430 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. He was fantastic. And when they needed to make a play, Penix was was throwing it all over the place. 
Um, but I also want to give some love to Quinn Ewers because I think after seeing that media day picture, it kind of just put you in a perspective where everyone was just like arch manning, arch manning. Arch. It's like this dude hasn't even sniffed the field. Meanwhile, this dude took you to the college football playoff when nobody really thought you guys were going to be there in the first place and put them in position to win the game late in that Sugar Bowl. So I, th- I thought he played great as well. So a lot of a lot of props to him. But I do think I agree with you. The top two teams are going to be meeting Monday night. Um, I got a feeling I don't even need to ask you who you're taking in this game. I, I got a feeling you're going with the Huskies. Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of feels like I'm just hating on Michigan going against them twice. But, like, no, it's not. Like, I've been kind of riding with Washington all year. The matchup I'm really looking forward to is, like, you kind of look at it, it's like Washington's receivers, I think, are way better than Michigan's. Um but the matchup that's going to be is going to be the real one is Washington has a really good O line and Michigan has a really good defensive front. So we'll see what happens in there because the defensive front of Michigan just swarmed Alabama, and that that was the game changer. That was the only thing keeping them around, you know, the first half. That was keeping them in it. Um, and Alabama's offense didn't do much, so it's going to be hard to stop this Washington offense. I don't think they will. I think the the secondary versus receivers are a little overmatched. I'm going to take Washington in this one. I think that's a great call. I think there are two storylines that I'm looking forward to um, going into this game. And I think really the only true test that Michigan has had all season long was Ohio State and then Alabama to this point. And even then, this wasn't Saban's best Alabama team. That wasn't Ryan Day's best Ohio State team. And prior to those two games, you look at Michigan's schedule, they played a bunch of trash teams and they smacked them. Playing Washington is without a doubt the toughest task to get all year. And Michigan's defense has been outstanding. Like you said, they swarmed Milrow and that Bama offense all day. Now you're going up against this offense that could produce fireworks at any moment in time. Washington's offense is fun to watch. Like This is going to be a heck of a matchup seeing Michigan's defense going up against Washington's offense. It's a great call. And then the other one that I'm looking at is this, is this quarterback duel between Michael Penix and J.J. and J.J. McCarthy. Both have had incredible seasons. Both have balled out to this point. I can't wait to see how these two do um, on the biggest stage in, in college football. Should be a fun one. Monday night, 7.30 ESPN in Houston at the Texans Stadium. You're going, Should you're be going great Michigan? One. I'm going Michigan, man. Yeah, I just honest, I'll be honest with you, though. I think Washington's got a real shot. Like, I don't think this is like Michigan's ranked number one or anything. This is a pretty evenly matched game. Washington has a real shot in this game. I wouldn't be mad. Like, if Washington won this game, I'd, I'd be like, I'm just happy Harbaugh Michigan overcame the hump to even get to this point. But I, I would love to see um, Harbaugh get it done for Michigan. I think would be a really, really, really cool story in this season, how everything's gone. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, riding, I'm riding with Harbaugh again in, in Michigan. But Washington is, dude, That this could be a great game. It's going to be a great game. Um, all right, week 17 in the NFL, so many storylines. We already talked about the Cardinals-Eagles game, but a lot of other ones to talk about here. Flacco helping the Browns clinch at only their second playoff spot in 20 years. Going crazy on the Jets on Thursday night. The Browns are in. Cowboys-Lions, I think we got to start there because that was all sorts of crazy. We'll, we'll, we'll start with that. Um, Ravens absolutely demolished the Dolphins. We'll get to that also. And then... Mike Tomlin and the Steelers do it again. Yet another season without a losing record. Um, so we'll kind of gloss over all of those. But let's, st- let- let's start with Cowboys-Lions. The Cowboys won this game 20-19. to It was a close game throughout. Lions defense was fantastic. Really all night for the exception of that. I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened on that first, on the first drive where Lamb went for, I think it was like 92-yard touchdown. And CeeDee Lamb had his way with Detroit's defense all night long. But other than that, the Lions stopped them pretty well. Like, stopping the Cowboys to 20 points at home is hard to do. Um, They just couldn't stop CeeDee Lamb. But they could stop everyone else, though. Tony Pollard didn't really do much. The rest of the office didn't do much. Um, And the Lions had a shot at the end there to to win it. So, what were your thoughts on this one? There's a lot lot to break down in here. Um, I... Like obviously, I mean, we know everybody knows the Lions kind of got hosed. Um, but I, I, I do, what do you think? Like you, you're going for two to win the game on the road, fine. But then like they back it up to the seven. You know what I'm saying? I'm like at that yeah. point, like why are you even going for the two? Like just kick the field goal. They've kind of felt like the Lions 
at least at that point, were outplaying them. They had all the momentum. Just, like, kick the extra point. Or, or you know what I'm saying? Or, it made no sense, like, after you backed up. I get it. Okay, it's at the two. But, like, at the seven, you know what I'm saying? It kind of felt a little stubborn. Um, and and then the whole ref thing's another ball game. But I'm like, really? Like, you didn't need to – you could have avoided this whole mess by, by just going for the extra point at that point. 100%. I mean, I had the exact same thought. Um, as soon as the penalty happened, they backed them up, and I'm like, okay, now you're going to shot on the field goal unit. Nope. They're still going to go for two, and I'm like, what the hell? Then I think something else happened. They backed them up even more, and then they're, they're still going to go for two, and I'm like, okay, what are, what are we doing here, guys? Like, just kick it, go to overtime. Um, so I was with you. I think, obviously, it was stubborn on Dan Campbell's part, but apparently I think he was always going to go for two, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but, yeah, the, like this, the smart thing would have been kicking the field goal, going to overtime, and, and let's do it again. However, there are two reasons here that I think Detroit ended up going for two. One is what Dan Campbell said post game. He just wanted to get the game over with. They've already won the division. They've already clinched at that point. So there's like there's no point in going to overtime. Let's just not, you know, risk anything of getting injured. I understand that point. Uh understand that part. Second thing here, come on, going for two with the game on the line, there's only what like there are a few coaches that I know that would do that. Dan Campbell's one of those dudes. Like, that was a very Dan Campbell-like thing to do. Like, nobody does fake punts on fourth downs more than Dan Campbell and the Lions. Nobody goes for it on fourth down in their own, like, 20, 30-yard line more than Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. Like, he has a very aggressive mindset, and it works for this Lions team that has that kind of swagger. So I'm not, like, I'm with you. Like, the right thing to do would have been kick the field, could kick the extra point, go to overtime. But I totally get it. Like this, that's just how Dan Campbell is. Like he's like, we're down one. We got a chance to to win it and get out of here with a win. I would do it too. Like if the, that's the way they've been rolling all season, why change it now? You know what I'm saying? So for those two reasons, I, I understand why they did it. But if I were in the shoes, I probably would have went with you and just kicked it, go to overtime. But um, Cowboys unbeaten at home, which I think is a huge deal here because because of the Eagles falling falling off. The Cowboys are now one win away from getting potentially two home games in the playoffs. That's huge. That is huge. They are a way different team at home. At home. Completely different team. 100%. 100%. Completely, right? So the Cowboys, one win away from being the two seed in the NFC, I think is massive for this team. Um, The last time they were that high of a seed was, I'm pretty sure that was the one seed in Dak's first season in 2017 or 2016. So it's been a while. So I, I think that just that that call, it's it is crazy. I've watched a lot now. I've watched a lot of people's takes on that. And it's it is true. That one call changed everything. The Niners would have not won the one seed. The Lions would have had a chance of winning the one seed. The Eagles would be in line to get the two seed. That one call just shook up the entire NFC. The entire thing. And by that one call, and I think it's dumb because it it took away an incredible play call, number one. Number two, I watched it back again. The They called number 70, right, as the dude who, like, said he was eligible and they didn't throw it to him, threw it to Decker. Number 70 ran onto the field. They didn't say a word to the ref. Like, he said that post game, but then I rewatched it again, and I was like, I don't think he ever said anything to the ref. He just sprinted onto the field, went with them, and then went back to the line. So I'm, I'm confused as to what the hell they were doing I- here, but... I think the whole thing was confusing because it was like they were saying um, pregame they brought this up to the refs. Like, yo, when we're going to run this play, this guy's eligible. Um, but then it's it's almost like they're trying, it was like too smart of a call. It just ended up confusing everybody. I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's just like, you know, like it was just too uh, – there's just too many moving parts. Like, honestly, like the refs screwed it up, sure, but like, can you really blame how you're telling me you're supposed to remember that they told you this before the game, that this was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like I give them a little bit of slack. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, there's so much going on. I don't think they would remember at that point. Like, I do think that is a little, like, I don't know what Dan Campbell was expecting to tell them something pregame and then for them to remember which number, which guy at the end when there's so many other things to remember. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, but even then, I just feel like just that whole ending was just an absolute train wreck. Um, and it's unfortunate that it ended that way, but it did. Um, but man, yeah, that was that was a hectic game, a chaotic ending, but 
all of these considered, I mean, they could end up being played. This could end up being a rematch in the in the playoffs in the divisional round. The, the Lions are currently in the three seed. Cowboys are the two. They both win. We'll see it again in a few weeks. Um, but big win there for the Dallas Cowboys. Tough pill to swallow for the Detroit Lions. Um, AFC Baltimore. I mean, they got the number one seed. They absolutely shellacked Miami, fifty six nineteen. Look, I'm. This is this is the last time I think I'm gonna say this for the Dolphins, man. I think I've given up on this team. Like I've I, all season, like I think I was one of the few people where it's like, I still think they have it. I still think they can do it. And then they beat Dallas, and I was like, okay, I have some sort of sliver of hope here. I knew when Jalen Waddle was scratching this game, I was like, okay, I think the Dolphins might be cooked. But I still would have expected this game to be closer. Not for this Dolphins mm-hmm. team to give up 56 points. Like, at the bare minimum, make it a close game. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to lose, like, okay, they didn't have Waddle. Tyreek's banged up. Like, you know, they lost Bradley Chubb for the year. That's huge. But there's a lot of things in there for Miami. But at the bare minimum, like, don't go in there and get your ass kicked. And what do they do? They go in there and they get their ass kicked. It's like, I just don't know if Miami has it in them, man. And I think we're going to find out. Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills. It's absolutely insane to even think that the Buffalo Bills have a shot to reclaim this division. This was Miami's division the whole season, and now it has come down to the last game. Buffalo has fought their way back, and now here we go. AFC's championship game, Sunday Night Football, Week 18. Bills at the Dolphins. Winner gets the two-seed and the division crown. Dolphins have not won the division since 2008. The Bills looking for their third straight uh, division title. Crazy craziness, and for Baltimore, man, like I'll I'll just leave it at this for the Ravens because I think obviously their season will end up falling suit for the rest of the playoffs. Do they end up in the Super Bowl? They get knocked out in the first round. Only time tell because in 2019, Lamar had an MVP year. We thought the Ravens won the Super Bowl, and they got their ass kicked by Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill in the first round, and bye bye Baltimore in the first round. If Lamar and the Ravens can't get again, I've been saying all year, and forget the Super Bowl at least the AFC championship game, then I do think we need to revisit this conversation about Lamar Jackson because, sure, you're probably going to win MVP. Sure, you, you've looked outstanding for the second half of the season, at least. First half was kind of rocky. Second half has been great. But this is it now, man. This divisional game, whoever the hell you're going to play, this got to be the biggest game of your career. Win this game and you are hosting the AFC championship game. You are. Not Mahomes, not Allen, not Burrow. You are. You're hosting the AFC Championship game if you win your divisional round game. I think forget all of this nonsense about Baltimore. They look unstoppable. They look like the best team in football. That is who they are. But this divisional round game coming up for them, I think is the biggest game for this Lamar, in the Lamar era, this is the biggest game for Baltimore. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy. Like, I honestly can't believe, like, how good they are. Because, like, you look at this team, it's the same team they've trotted out the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and it feels like everybody else in the AFC took a step back. So that helps them. But it's like they're way better um, than they were running back the same squad for now a couple of years. They still have nobody, like, on offense outside of Lamar. Mark Andrews not there. Like, it's like – it's I can't believe how this team's able to put up so many points um, and beat the hell out of these teams um, without – really any like playmakers on offense like that outside of them. Um but yeah this is his year and to think that this whole offseason he was up for grabs. Anybody could have had him too. So uh this is a huge like been on yourself kind of year for Lamar. because uh, anybody could have had him. Nobody wanted to pay him the money. He was just kinda walked back into into Baltimore. They ran it back like hey let's give him one more shot. Um but this is the year man you gotta do it this year and if he went if he wins, like he can enter a whole new ball game of quarterbacks after this year if everything goes right for him. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, winning the Lombardi is obviously the goal for him, but his success in the playoffs has not been great, and that's what I mean. Where it's like, sure, you had a great season, but you also did this in 2019. You had an MVP season in 2019, and you guys choked in the first round. This divisional, whoever they play in the divisional round, like, you got to get this done. This has got to be, like, Lamar's only had one true great moment in the playoffs, and that was his game against Tennessee in the 2020 season. And then he followed that up by getting smoked by Buffalo 17-3 in the next round. This is where we're going to find out the most about Lamar Jackson. Sure, you go win MVP, great. 
I want to see because when Lamar first came onto the scene, B, we were saying it's going to be this dude and Mahomes for like the next 10 years. And now it's like, no, it's Burrow and Allen and Mahomes for the next 10 years. Now Lamar's putting himself back in this conversation, but I feel like he only deserves to do that if he's able to make the AFC Championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like, he got to do something in the postseason. This is where these quarterbacks make their name. Nobody thought the Bengals were going to the Super Bowl two years ago in 2021. They kind of limped into the postseason at 10-7 and in the four seed, and Burrow went on a hot streak and went to the Super Bowl. That's where you make your name for it. Josh Allen, Josh Allen, yeah, he's he's also another name here where this is a huge game for him Sunday night. This is a moment for Josh Allen to be like, no, 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 no. Dolphins, you thought you had a chance? No, no, this is my division. I'm going to take this, right? The Patriots are done. Now it's our turn. Big moment for Josh Allen. Josh Allen's trying to get back to the championship game. He's trying to get back to the Super Bowl, but he's also done it. Yeah, they lost to Kansas City, but Josh Allen also played masterful in that game. You know what I'm saying? He looked like shit last year's game against the Bengals. So Josh Allen's another dude that's trying to follow suit. This is it, man. This is this is where legends are made. This is the worst we've seen Kansas City. AFC is so yeah, up for grabs insane, right now, yeah. man. It's so up for grabs right now. So I want to see somebody, somebody take this right now and just snatch it away from Kansas City and go if, for if it. Because Lamar and, and Josh Allen, I think, are the two guys that are like, they have the most to prove. Um, and like in a year with KC's like this, it's like if, if those one of those two guys isn't going to do it this year, they're never going to do it. I'm out, out. You know what I'm 100%, saying? 100%. Like you can't um, – like, this is your year. Like, it is. And now, but the, the conversation about Lamar, for example, will be way different because this will be Lamar's second MVP thinking he wins this one. He wins two MVPs. Let's say he gets to the Super Bowl or he wins the Super Bowl. Now you're in a category where it's like, I've won a Super Bowl and I've won two MVPs. Who else is in that in that ballpark? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. Like, that is some rare air after that. Um, but, you know, for right now, he's just like, Joel Embiid. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's what I'm saying more for Lamar. For Baltimore being the best team right now, honestly, I'm not as surprised as you are. This team is really freaking good. I think people forget how many studs they have on defense. And yeah, considering they've lost a few guys, including Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in the league, that just goes to coaching. And we know that John Harbaugh is one of the best in the NFL. So we know that. So I'm not surprised the Ravens have been I mean, I didn't think they'd be this dominant, but I knew they were going to be good. And I knew they were going to be a playoff team. I knew they were going to be in the conversation again because at the end of the day, health is wealth. And for this team, no, they haven't gotten lucky with a lot of with some injuries. But having number eight healthy at this point in the season is something that they haven't gotten in the last two seasons. And it's proven to be a big um a big it's it's proven to make a big impact for the Baltimore Ravens because they got the number one seed and they're gonna be playing on divisional weekend. Um, but that's going to be something there. So we'll see what happens there. And the same thing with the Dolphins, man. Like I just talked about with this is an opportunity for someone new to come, right? Burrow's not there. Mahomes and the Chiefs look awful. Who Who is going to take advantage of this and end up getting their shot at representing the AFC in Vegas in the Super Bowl? Who's going to do that? Is it going to be Lamar? Is it going to be Allen? Is it going to be Tua? Who's it going to be? And I just, I see more urgency from Lamar and Allen late in the season than I have from two in the Dolphins. It's like, I don't feel like Miami wants it. You know what I'm saying? Because if all goes, if Buffalo beats Miami Sunday night, the likelihood of Miami going to Arrowhead in the first round is pretty likely. And that's not a matchup you want. So I don't know what's going on with the Dolphins, man. It's, it's I just don't feel like they want it. I got to see something that they want it. And that would include winning against Buffalo on Sunday night. But we'll, uh, We'll see We'll see what happens there in the AFC. So the Ravens already have the number one seed. Bills and Dolphins will play for the number two seed. Dolphins are already in the playoffs, so if they lose, they'll be a wild card. But if they win, they get the two seed. Buffalo win, they get the two seed. If they lose, they will need either the Steelers or the Jaguars to lose. If one of those teams lose, the Bills will still get in as a wild card. Um, which is great, there's just a chance they don't make the playoffs. There is a chance they make the yeah. If Pittsburgh knocks off Baltimore, Jacksonville beats Tennessee. If ball if Buffalo loses to Miami, they will miss the playoffs altogether, which, which I think both, is crazy. Which are both not crazy because Ravens, I'm thinking, gonna rest all Probably the guys. Gonna, yep, yep. And Jacksonville's playing for a playoff spot, so it's not crazy that the, both of those teams win. 
Yep, and where have I seen this story before, man? Where the Buffalo Bills have needed something to happen in Baltimore to get into the playoffs. 2017, the Cincinnati Bengals and Andy Dalton going into Baltimore on a fourth and whatever it was, getting a touchdown to send the Buffalo Bills to their first playoff appearance and I think was 16 years at the time. Um, now it's the other side where they need the Ravens to beat the Steelers. And I'm not going to lie, without all due respect to the Steelers, I would much rather see the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs than see Mason Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers in the postseason. I just, just the matchups, that they, it'll make things a lot more entertaining. So, but we'll see what happens. Cause yeah, you're right. I think Baltimore's probably going to bench a lot of their starters. So we don't even know who's going to be, who's going to be starting there. Um, with that, but I mean, those are all the two storylines in the AFC here. Mike Tomlin and Joe Flacco. Which one you want to hit? Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco for sure. I think, um, and I'm uh, honestly, I'm just gonna say it now because I think the Browns are my favorite dark horse to win the whole thing. <laughs> the I, whole I, thing, I, the whole thing, dude. This is like, Jeez. I feel this squad. It feels like, a, especially in a down AFC, this feels like. The year where it's a Eli Manning Giants kind of year comes out of nowhere. You know wow. what I'm saying? And that Browns team with that defense, they can they can compete with anybody. And then you have a vet at quarterback who's been in big playoff moments before. Dude, this is I'm not. They're not my pick to win the whole thing, but it's my dark horse pick. Like it, it's a it's don't count them out. This is a real dark horse pick for me. I I love this Browns team right now. Fair enough. Um, I've loved this defense the whole season. I thought this defense has been devastating, including that game against the Niners back on week six where they upset us, handed us our first loss of the season. I was like, this defense is no joke. Like, they they are a force to be reckoned with. Um, and now you bring in Joe Flacco when this offense is dropping 30 a game is incredible. I don't think they're <laughs> – Super Bowl is a, is a little bit of a reach. I will say this, though. If – they still had the same situation at quarterback, but Nick Chubb was healthy. I might actually be a little more on board with saying, I don't think making the Super Bowl is far-fetched. The Browns scream more to me as surprise AFC championship team. I think the Browns could make the championship game for sure. In a down AFC, they're not scared of the Ravens because they've already beat them. You know what I'm saying? They're not scared. Like, really, you look around the AFC and you're, you're the Browns. They're not you're like, scared of anybody. Right? And you're like, who are we scared? Exactly. Who are we scared of? Like we're not the scared Dolphins? of Dolphins, yeah, right. Exactly. Like the Chiefs, I think, nobody's scared of the I think Chiefs everybody, anymore. without all due respect to Jacksonville, Indy, and Houston, I think almost everybody is probably gonna pick Cleveland to win the first round matchup against the winner of the AFC South. I do. I think they're better than all three of those teams. Like that's the way that it's that it's looking right now, which is why everyone's getting hyped about Browns Ravens divisional round. The, the real look, here's the matter of the fact here. Amari Cooper was hurt, they sat him out. That's fine. He's going to be ready to go for the wild card run anyways. Flacco looks unstoppable. Amari Cooper looks unstoppable. Anjoku's getting involved. Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt are honestly not a bad tandem. They're not Nick Chubb, but they're not a bad tandem. And this defense can take them wherever the hell they want to go. Yeah, I can see where you're going with the, the New York Giants thing. Like, they definitely gives off those kind of vibes. But I just think Super Bowl's a little far-fetched for the squad. But would I be surprised if we're sitting here late January and the Cleveland Browns are playing... For the Lamar Hunt Trophy in the AFC Championship game, I would not be surprised. Would not be surprised. They are that good. They are that fun. Kevin Stefanski's done, I mean, an incredible job. I mean, I know the last like year or two, it's been kind of down for Cleveland. But since Stefanski has taken over, they've made the playoffs twice. And they've had two 11-win seasons in four years. That is something I don't think anyone has done in Cleveland Brown history. Like, I don't think, let alone making the playoffs once, you've done something great. Taking them to the playoffs twice with four different quarterbacks. A, Kevin Stefanski's like, this dude, man, he's done an, an actually an, an unbelievable job with this team. Um, but we'll see, man. We'll see what happened with the Browns um, in that case there. Um, Browns 11-5. and five, They're in the playoffs. They'll be the five seed there. Um, let's move over to the NFC. Before I go to the NFC, I do want to shout out Mike Tomlin real quick. For 30-23 win over the Seahawks, 17 straight years. Of not having a losing season. That's that is simply incredible. Like the, the Steelers are like they've been mid for the last like since Ben retired. Even the last few years with Ben, they've been pretty mid. Mm-hmm. And yet they still 
find a way to be over 500. I mean, it is it is actually pretty amazing how that team just keeps fighting every single time. And they're always in the wildcard discussion almost every season. It's an, it, is, it is an incredible storyline. Yeah, and it, it's like... Um, the problem is just like they got to... And they're doing it with like whoever at quarterback. Even when Ben was there those last couple of years, he was like, he was so garbage. And they still limped into the playoffs with him that one year. Um, against KC, I think. Um, but yeah, no, it's just it's just crazy amounts of respect for that dude able to get those guys fighting every single week. Absolutely, absolutely. So ra- rounding out the rest of the the score lines from Week 17, we talked about the Cardinals upsetting Philly 35-31. Packers went into Minnesota, smoked them 33 to 10. The Packers, believe it or not, and I would like to give myself some credit here because I'm the one that said on the the last week of August before Week One, I said. Green Bay is going to be fighting for a playoff spot in Week 18 with a win-in-your-in scenario. And what has happened? Week 18, the Green Bay Packers are one win away from making a wild-card spot. It's weird because the Packers have had such a roller coaster season. It's like they're good, and then they're trash. And then they're good, and then they're trash. Now here they are, one win away from making the postseason. Kudos to Matt LaFleur. And for Jordan Love to do it in year one, not bad. It hasn't been great. It hasn't been great. But it would be a pretty big opportunity for him to get a playoff start in year one for him. Chiefs beat the Bengals 25-17. The Bengals are now out. Broncos beat the Chargers 16-9. The Broncos are also now out. Colts over the Raiders 23-20. Bears destroy the Falcons 37-17. Jaguars blank the Panthers 26-0. I do want to... I got something on that game in a second. Saints right back in it 23-13. However, the Bucks still control their own destiny. Rams beat the Giants 26-25. That was a close one at the end there. Texans over the Titans, 26-3. Bills over the Patriots, 27-21. Niners over the Commanders, 27-10. The Panthers are a friggin' mess. They've been a mess since week one. Did you see Dave Tepper throwing a a drink Mm -hmm. or something? It just goes back to what I've been saying the whole time, man. This dude, like, since he took over, the Panthers have been a disaster. And that right there was just like... Like, that that two-second video just showed everything. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? I know you're frustrated, but why are you like you're an owner, dude? Like what like what are you doing? Just I don't know, man. I just I saw that and I was just like, this dude just does something to piss me off every single time I see him do something. The, the Panthers are a joke of it. They went from being a very, very good organization and now they're just absolute trash. Like they're a hot mess. I don't know when we're gonna see the Panthers good again. Like it's it's gonna be very far off of that. Um your week 17 winners. This also, by the way, could include college as well. Hey, if it's um if it's in college, then I gotta go. Um I gotta go Harbaugh. Um getting over the hump, like you said. Uh that that like we talked about we already talked about but like all the stuff that he's got through this year and it was like, Oh my god, is he gonna be back next year? We like all that kind of garbage in there to pull that win out where I think most people, more people were picking Alabama than they were picking Michigan. Um, but it felt like uh, kind of set once they drew Alabama, it kind of just felt like, oh, my God, here we go again. But him to pull that one out, man, that's uh, makes guys like you feel a lot good. You know, guys have been backing him for a while. So that's a big win for you for the Harbaugh clan. Oh, yeah, no, no question. Jim Harbaugh's also a Week 17 winner for me. I can just – like, the dude is such a player's coach. Like, he before he took over for San Francisco, the Niners were awful, awful for, like, a good 10 years. Harbaugh comes in, leads them right to the playoffs in year one. They made three straight championship appearances. It was hard not to like that guy. It was hard to see him go. Then he goes to Michigan. Michigan was garbage for, like, the first five years prior to him getting there. He comes to Michigan, and right away, they're a 10-win team. And they've been in the thick of things every single year. They couldn't beat Ohio State. Harbaugh finally did that. They couldn't win the Big Ten. They finally did that. Now they couldn't win a bowl game. They finally did that. And now Harbaugh's in the national championship game. But most importantly, just seeing him, how he is with his players, man. He's such a player's coach. Like, anytime the media tries to put the light on him, he's like, no, 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 talk to them. He's with, they're, they're trying to interview him post-game. Rose Bowl He's like, no, nah, talk to Blake Corum. He's talking post-game with J.J. McCarthy, and he's calling him the best quarterback Michigan's ever had, like, Harbaugh's such a player's coach, man. There's a reason why his teams always succeed. It's great to see. I, I can't wait to see his team play for a national title. Win or lose, proud of him, proud of what Michigan was able to accomplish this season considering all the adversity. Mike Tomlin's also a Week 17 winner for me. 
and the Arizona Cardinals are also a Week 17 winner for me. Week 17 losers. I mean, there's a million directions I could go with this one, too. <laughs> Facts. Um, I feel like uh, I got Eagles as one. Probably, the, I mean, in the NFL, probably one of the biggest, like, uh, what are you going to say? Biggest, like, change from a week out of any other team. Like, they went from, you know, fighting for the one seed, winning the, winning the division, and then all of a sudden um, they're on the outside looking in for, for the division. Um I think that and to just drop and now it's like you lose that game. They've struggled the last couple of weeks. AJ Brown's going off in the locker room. There's some, apparently some turmoil in the locker room. It just feels like that team, nobody's getting along in the locker room. Nobody wants to be there. They're just kind of waiting for the season to be over. So big, big loss for the for the Eagles. Crazy to think that. Crazy to think that for a team that went to Super Bowl a year ago. I mean, we know it's it's so hard to get back. Everyone knows that. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, the Eagles are 100% a Week 17 loser. I mean, we already knew it was getting bad. Losing a game to the three-win Cardinals two weeks away from the playoffs, garbage. Uh, the Dolphins, also Week 17 loser for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I talked about it earlier. Like, come on, man. Like, you, even if you were going to lose this game, make it interesting, go to overtime, fight hard. And I just didn't see any of that. It was, it was really bad for the Dolphins and the Eagles. Um, and Brad Allen... The referee of the Lions mm-hmm. game, big time week 17 loser to just, you know, shake. I mean, thank you for, for, for contributing to the Niners getting the one seed, um, but also not thank you because it, it ruined it in an amazing play at the end of the game. A call that was that really they, they messed up. It's not like a KC situation where that was a blatant offside. This was like, come on, man. Like this, this 68 was right there. He told you his report. Just anyways, Brad Allen, man, big L for him. Um, all right, playoff scenarios. And they got demoted from the playoffs, too. Yeah, that. like, that's a, it's a huge L, man. Like, everyone's going to look at him and his crew now and be like, oh, great. We have Brad Allen and his crew refing our game. We're screwed. Like, it's, yeah, just not a not a good look. Um, a lot of playoff scenarios to talk here, AFC and NFC. So, we you know, the Ravens and Niners are locked into the one seeds. Both the AFC and NFC South divisions are still up for grabs going into Week 18. The Dolphins, the Browns, the Rams, Eagles, Cowboys, Lions, Chiefs are all clinched. Everything else is up for grabs. So we talked about Buffalo and their scenario earlier. They win, they get the two seed, they lose. It could be as drastic as they get in as the seven seed or not making it at all. That will all depend on the Steelers-Ravens game. Texans-Colts will be very interesting Saturday night here, B, because the winner of this game is in for sure. That is the one thing we know. But if Jacksonville loses, the winner of that game wins the AFC South. But the winner of Texans Colts is in as a wild card, regardless. Yeah, and it kind of feels like um, Texans have kind of limped. Uh, yeah, the back half of the year, um, and the Colts is like we've talked like probably ten minutes combined on the Colts all year. Um, but all of a sudden, like they they've just been hanging around there. So honestly, I mean the AFC South is exactly what we thought the AFC South was going to be. It's like same thing as the NFC South. It's like, man, like, do we really have to have one of these four teams in this playoffs? Yeah, well, hundred percent. I mean, I'll be rooting for Houston. I think for D'Amico to even be in this position, forget D'Amico, for Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryan's to be in this position week eighteen with a win in your end scenario. First year head coaches with two teams who were, I think, everyone thought they were going to be absolute trash this year. Honestly, round of applause for both of them. That is tough to do, man. To be even be in this position, if one of these teams don't make it, it'll be no question a disappointment. But the fact that they're even in this position, hey, that is big, big props to both of them there. Um, as for the Jaguars, see, they're not supposed to be here right now. The Jaguars are supposed to be already clinched, have the division. Like they, they're the for the Colts and Texans, they exceeded. Jacksonville like did the complete opposite and did not exceed at all. Um, having said that, they win. They will host the Browns on wildcard weekend. Um, there's also a way they clinch a wildcard spot, but there's just too many if ands or buts. They need the Steelers to lose, Broncos to lose, like just a lot of random stuff. But if Jacksonville wins, the division is theirs. Dolphins, we know, they win against Buffalo. The East is theirs. They get the two seed. Um, the Steelers are still in it here, and they would need either Jacksonville or Buffalo to lose. And if the Steelers beat Baltimore, their odds are pretty increased as well. In the AFC. In the NFC, Cowboys win. The two seed is theirs. The Packers win. The wild card is theirs. 
the Saints and the Bucks and the Falcons. Winner of Saints Falcons would need the Bucks to lose, and then they're in. Bucks just need to win, and they're in. Yeah, the Bucks are playing with fire, um, losing last week to the, yeah. to the Saints, which neither of us thought was gonna happen. But no, like, tough one. Come on, man! Like you, you've out, you've been a better team all year against the Saints, and if you, you can't choke it away now, agreed. And I don't want to see the Falcons or the Saints in the playoffs. Honestly, they both of those teams have been dreadful to watch all season long. I would rather not. Like the Bucks haven't been that great either, but they've been more enter- way more entertaining than the Saints and the Falcons combined have. So I would rather not. Would rather not see that. So the Bucks take care of the lowly Panthers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be in the playoffs for the third consecutive season. Um, the Week 18 predictions here, but before even that. Let's kind of go to our playoff storylines we'd like to see most here. We'll kind of go over this fairly quickly. Um, Being out, we did this together here. So we're going to start with our top four, and then we'll have some honorable mentions. Number four, Baltimore against Kansas City. The reason for this storyline here is to see Patrick Mahomes go on the road. He has never done that in his playoff career. Lamar Jackson, we talked about it earlier. This dude needs to play a big game in the playoffs and to knock off Patrick Mahomes right now when they're struggling would be huge. But I think this is really a big storyline for me. I don't know about you, but just to see Mahomes go on the road in a hostile environment, we have yet to see that. I want to see that happen. To me, it's more the other way. Like, I know who Mahomes is. He doesn't really have as much to prove as Lamar does. It's more like, you know, Chiefs aren't aren't down here, um, but... it still runs through Mahomes. This is still Mahomes' conference. Lamar, this is your chance to to take it to him in a down year for him um, and put yourself in the same category as him. Yeah, no, 100%. I agree with that as well. Like, it's not just a Mahomes thing. It's a Lamar thing, too. Like, both of them would have something mm-hmm. to play for. If this was at Arrowhead, I would still say I would probably lean more Lamar than Mahomes here. But knowing that it would, if they do play, it would be in Baltimore – makes it a little more intriguing because we've never seen this side for Kansas City before. So that'll be interesting there. Um, at number three, Cowboys 49ers. Look, if the Cowboys get the two seed, um, if this matchup happens, it would be in the NFC Championship just like it did for three years in a row back in the 90s. And if they do meet in the playoffs again, it would be the third straight year the Cowboys and 49ers would meet in the playoffs. I think would just be, it would be just like the 90s. Cowboys, I mean, would have everything to play for here, having lost three straight to the Niners. And the Niners trying to overcome that hump and go back to the Super Bowl, I think would be a, a, a pretty crazy NFC Championship game. Yeah, it's like we're reliving history again. Um, but hey, you guys got one of these two teams got to come out and, and win something before we can bring it up in that same category. I agree. I agree with that for sure. Um, and then I think the other two, really, we've we've talked about both these storylines really throughout the last few weeks. But Browns, Ravens, to see Flacco against Lamar, I mean, <laughs> dude, I think I think everyone's just like super amped. Like, it would be very disappointing if this game did not happen. Oh, indeed. I, like, I honestly, I don't, and I think we both kind of think Cleveland has a puncher's chance in that game. Like, it's not a lot of people like, do. It wouldn't be like you know like. Uh, a blowout or anything. I think Cleveland has a puncher's chance and it'd be like Flacco going to Baltimore where he's going to be comfortable in and it'll be like, man, I, I can't wait. That's probably my most anticipated matchup like of the whole playoffs if that were to happen. I think for a lot of people, a lot of people it is. And I, I would love that. I mean, see Flacco go back to Baltimore, the place where he won a Super Bowl and Lamar's the dude that replaced him. Like, Dude, like just it, it's too it's too good to be true. And the other matchup that is also just too good to be true, Rams Lions in the wild card round. Now, for this matchup to happen, that would require the Rams beating the Niners in the regular season for the first time in five years. Now, the Niners probably gonna play a bunch of their backups. Who knows? The Rams might play a bunch of their backups. But if the Rams win, they would most likely go to Detroit. I I want that matchup so badly, man. Stafford going back home to Detroit for the Detroit's first ever playoff game at Ford Field against Jared Goff. And we know the animosity he has with McVay and the Rams. That matchup's also just too good to not happen. Like, I want that so badly. Those two storylines are probably the best two right there. Flacco going back to Baltimore, Stafford going back to Detroit. Too good to be true. I would want them both. Um, Some other potential matchups and storylines, that'd be great. Bills, Chiefs, if we ever got that again, it's looking a little unlikely, but I mean... 
it'd be great to have it again. Eagles Niners, because the Eagles are playing so bad right now, I don't think this is as juicy as a matchup as it would have been just because the Eagles are playing as bad as they are. If the Eagles actually picked up the slack, different story, but they haven't. Uh, Mike McCarthy going back to Dallas, that's another one. That is also very likely. If they, both the Packers and the Cowboys win, there is a likelihood of that happening. Green Bay could also go to Detroit on wildcard weekend as well. Rams-Niners would be a fun one too. See, McVeigh and Shanahan, I know we're not getting that this week, but if they met in the playoffs, whew, that'd be a tough game there. Um, Lions-Cowboys rematch is another one as well. Um, week 18, Saturday, doubleheader. We got the Ravens at the Steelers, and then the Texans at Colts winning your end game there. Ravens-Steelers. I don't think either of us know who's starting for Baltimore, but I think we're assuming that Tyler Huntley and Cole were going to get the start for Baltimore. Yeah, no, I think the Steelers um, win this one just because the uh, Ravens kind of punt on the game, rest their guys a little bit. Um, give me the Steelers here, 21-17. Yeah, I'm going to take the Steelers too. I'll be rooting for the Ravens just because if the Ravens do win it, then there's more of a likelihood of Buffalo getting in. I want to see Buffalo get in. Um, but the Steelers are playing good ball right now, and I think they'll take advantage of the Ravens starting their backups. Give me the Steelers, 26-20. Texans, Colts, a win and you're in game Saturday night. Yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I mean, I, the Texans have just, like, left a really sour taste in my mouth these last couple of weeks. Um, but I have no feel on the Colts whatsoever. I, I like CJ. I like if, if the Texans were to go in. We could kind of make a narrative with CJ Stroud. Give me the Texans here, um, 23-14. I think the Texans are going to win this game. I mean, I'm obviously going to be rooting for them. I want to see D'Amico take the Texans to the playoffs in the in year one would just be – Honestly, another great storyline for the season. But yeah, the Colts, like, I can't get a good read on them. One week they play really good. The next week they get smacked by a Falcons team who's pretty trash. Um, I think CJ Stroud, he's coming back. He's had a week healthier. Nico, Colli- Nico Collins has a week back. He's healthier. Give me the Texans, 27-24 in that game. Um, Sunday, early slate. A lot of these games don't matter at all here. Jets at the Patriots. This is the finale for your Patriots, B. Yeah, I don't think it'll be Bill's last game. I think he runs it back. Um, and I think he wins this one, too. I think they went 16-6. to six. Yeah, at first, this was going to be the game. This was going to be the game that I was going to predict 2 nothing in this game. I do think it'll be a little higher scoring than that, but not by very much. Give me the Patriots at home 12-9, to nine, putting the exclamation point on the Jets' trash season. Browns Bengals. Um, yeah, based off of the spread, it looks like the Browns are, are going to be resting guys in this game too. Um, that's the only way I could see the spread being the way it is. Um, but again, I don't think the Bengals are that much better either way. Give me the Browns 24-21. I think in this one, yeah, I'm assuming that Cleveland will be benching a lot of their starters. And if that's the case, I'll take the Bengals 27-14. Um, that's if Cleveland decides to bench a lot of their starters. Vikings, Lions. Um, the Vikings are going to play the guys. No idea. Vikings still have something to play for. I mean, sorry, like, sorry. The Lions, the Lions. The I have Lions. no idea. No idea. Uh, I would, I would love yeah. to see a little Teddy Bridgewater action. He is retiring at the end of the year. I would love he to see him get a little, a little bit of minutes there. Regardless, I mean, I think the Vikings are too banged up to really. They're basically playing with their backups anyway, so. Give the Lions 2017. Vikings have been a, I do, I do respect that Kevin O'Connell has kept the Vikings in the mix for most of this season without Kirk Cousins. Um, but things have just fallen apart late here, regardless this if it's this year's snake bitten team for sure. Oh, 100%. And the fact that they, I mean, it's the last week of the season and they still have a slim chance of making it in. Props to them, man. They were in it, they had a chance, and uh, like this, the, the, that quarterback, uh, Quarterback situation was was a pretty big mess, honestly. I mean, Jaron Hall has like no experience. Mullins is a turnover machine. Um, Dobbs fell off a cliff. Like it's, I don't know, not great. Um, Golf or Bridgewater, I don't care. Give me the Lions, thirty-one fourteen. Buccaneers, Panthers, Bucks win, and the South is theirs. I think they're. I think they're gonna lose, dude. I think they're. Um, they're just playing with fire by losing last week, and it's just like, oh, it was a really good story all year, and they didn't get in. Um, I'm going to take the Panthers in this one. Please, spoiler, 27-21. Oh, boy. If the Bucks lose this game, 
I don't know. They might need to have a hard discussion with Todd Bowles. Like, I, I love Todd Bowles, but considering how that they went a below 500 record last year with Brady, and then this year, if you have a chance, Baker's playing good ball, and you lose this one to a Panthers team that is the worst in football, I don't know about that. Give me the Buccaneers 21-10. to 10. I think they get the job done. It's not going to be pretty. The Panthers are just so bad. If the Bucs find a way to mess this up, I don't know. Like that, yeah. There's gonna need to be a hard discussion about what direction Tampa's going in. Falcons, Saints. Yeah, so Saints take care of business here for me. I got them twenty-one thirteen. Um, gonna suck because they don't really deserve to get in either. Me too. Me too. Give me the Saints twenty-four sixteen. I yeah. Uh, the, the Falcons. They had their chance early on in the season too, and they kind of just choked that would uh, choked that away. The Saints. They just. I, I haven't been able to get on board with this team all year. And I just, if, if they got in the end of the playoffs, I honestly don't know how I would feel. Like, at first I thought, I was like, okay, Carr's coming in, Kamara's coming back. Like, the Saints are going to be good again, and they just haven't. So, I don't know. But if the Saints win and the Bucks lose, well, the Saints are going to be hosting a game at the Superdome on wildcard weekend. But I think the Saints win this game. Jaguars win. The South is theirs. They play the Titans. Uh, Jaguars win 17-14, man. Another team that's just like, they don't really deserve to be in. They don't. Jags have been, jeez, they've been a disaster too, but I think they take care of business here over Tennessee 26-17. Four o'clock games, a lot more games here that are a little bit more meaningful. The Cowboys go to Washington, they win, and the NFC East is theirs. Yeah, I don't see spoiler happening in this one. Give me the Cowboys 36 to. Nine. This would be the biggest Cowboys thing ever if they somehow, some way, found a chance to, or found found a way rather to lose this game against the Commanders. Commanders are awful. Um, give me the Cowboys, thirty three twenty three. They win it, and they'll be the two seed. Eagles at the Giants. Yeah, Eagles uh, still win this one, twenty four uh, twenty. Um, but they shot themselves in the foot this year. Yeah, this this Eagles defense is just awful. I don't know what the hell happened to them. Um, their offense is going to find a way to win this game, and they will, but it's not going to be a blowout at all, similar to the Christmas game. Christmas game looked like a blowout, and the Giants found a way back. Tyrod Taylor, don't let him stay in the game, because if you do, you're asking for trouble. Give me the Eagles 28-24. Bears go to Lambeau to take on the Packers. I'll tell you what, the Bears might be eliminated, but the Bears are playing some good football right now. I was about um, to say the same thing. Since Fields has been back, it's been a it's been a whole different squad. Give me the Bears. Um, in an upset, thirty-one twenty-eight. Wow, that would that that might just eliminate the Green Bay. If the Packers lose this game and the Seahawks win, that would put Geno and the Hawks in the playoffs for the second consecutive year, um, which I think would be a pretty big storyline as well, man. You trade Russ, one of the winningest quarterbacks in Seahawks history, and then you follow that up with two. I mean, we know how the Russ thing ended in Denver, disaster. And if the Seahawks find a way to make it in, wow, two years in a row without Russ, impressive. But that would mean. That the Chicago Bears beat the Packers. I'll tell you what. I, I think that was a close call. I was kind of leading Bears in this game, too. I'm going to take the Packers. I think they, they know this a win-in-your-in win scenario, and I think they'll get it done. Packers 26-21. Seahawks-Cardinals. Uh, Seahawks take care of business, although the Cardinals have been a little bit feisty. Um, give me the Seahawks in this one. Just barely. 23-20. The Seahawks, I don't know, man. They they had two weeks where they, they got themselves back into things. And then the last week against Pittsburgh, they didn't play very good. Now you go to Arizona Cardinals coming off a huge win against Philadelphia. And they got absolutely nothing to lose here. They could end Seattle's season with one loss here. And I think Arizona, they just like playing spoiler. Give me the Grinch and give me the Cardinals. 25-22 at home against Seattle. Rams 49ers. I don't know who's playing. I don't know who's starting. It could be Carson Wentz against Sam Darnold. We could have our wacky quarterback matchup of the year in this ballgame. Yeah, I'm going to take the Rams. Uh, I think they're going to play their guys. Give me the Rams in this one. Um, 27-24. If I'm McVay, I would be like, screw it. Let's just put this stupid streak to rest. <laughs> this is the best job we'd probably have to beat these guys and end this freaking regular season streak. So probably the Rams might actually do that. I'll Give me the Rams as well. 27-24. I, I think McCaffrey's already out. Sit Trent out. Sit, sit a handful of your starters out, or at least play them for a half. I would play Purdy for a half and then bench him and give Sam Darnold the rest of the game. 
Um, but yeah, give me the Rams 27-24. Chiefs Chargers, we got word before we started this episode the Chiefs will be benching their starters in this one. Yeah, and I don't even know if the Chargers can take advantage of it with how bad they are. Give me the Chiefs um, 17-14. Chargers have been easily one of the biggest disappointments of the NFL season. I don't know who's I don't even know who the Chiefs backup. Oh, Blaine Gabbard. Oh, yes. Blaine Gabbard, one of my favorite backup quarterbacks. Um, give me the Chiefs by 10, 24-14. Broncos Raiders. Uh Raiders will win this one. Um 28-14. Oh yeah. Raiders in this one too. 31-21. And I think and if Antonio Pierce is not the Raiders coach next season. I mean, I would be pretty, I think a lot of people would be pretty disappointed if that's not the case. Broncos got bigger fish to fry at the quarterback position. Um, before we move on to the Bills-Dolphins game, crazier quarterback matchup, Blaine Gabbert against Easton Stick or Carson Wentz against Sam Darnold? Definitely Blaine Gabbert versus Easton Stick. I can't believe Blaine Gabbert's still in the league. I, I had to really think about that for a second. I'm like, well, it's not, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chad Henney, he retired, so it's not him. So I'm like, who the hell is the Chiefs' backup quarterback? And then I remembered Gabbert signed with them. God, I forgot that guy was out of the league. Um, Bills, Dolphins for all the marbles in the AFC East. The Bills looking for three straight AFC East championship, uh, championship wins. The Dolphins looking for their first AFC East title since 2008. Yeah, I mean, I, this is uh, I've gone back and forth on this one because it feels like the Bills – even though they got really hot, their last two, three games have been like just Shaky. barely scraping by. Um, and the same thing with the Dolphins. I mean, either way, uh, I think the Bills have more to offer in the playoffs. Uh, I, I'm going to take the Bills in this one, I think. 31-21. Um, either way, I, I kind of want the, the Dolphins to win this and the Bills to not make the playoffs. That would make me happy. <laughs> Fair enough. That's valid. I want to see the Bills make the playoffs on the opposite here. And I just... I'm at the point where I just, I, again, I've wanted to believe in the Dolphins the whole season. I love Mike McDaniel. I like Tua. I do, I do like this team, but they're not playing good football. Like, they barely beat Dallas. They got dis- destroyed by Baltimore. I know Buffalo has not looked pretty the last two weeks, and it's been very, very shaky. But I, I, I do trust them in a game like this more than I do with Miami. Like, I haven't seen the Dolphins beat a big, sure, they beat Dallas. But other than that, I haven't really seen them beat a top AFC team. I haven't seen them play it. This will be the most meaningful game for Tua Tagovailoa in his career in the NFL. No question the biggest game for Mike McDaniel. It's the biggest game for the Dolphins they've had in years. Honestly, the Dolphins haven't been relevant in years. Since Mike McDaniel took over, the Dolphins haven't been a good team at all. So this is the biggest game the Dolphins have had in years. But Buffalo, they've been in this. They know what this is. Like, this is not... They're not going to be phased by it, which is why I'm going to take the Bills in this one, 21-20. to 20. Give me Tyler Bass at the end with a game-winning field goal. Um, man, I can't wait for the playoffs. Cannot wait for the playoffs. You can't get here soon enough, man. I'm excited for this Monday game, though, this college football championship. This is by far the most I've been into it. 100%. I think this is the first season that either of us have followed and actually enjoyed college football probably ever. Honestly, I can say that for me. I think for you, too. Um, obviously, being down at Clemson's obviously helped, but um, this has been a great season. Yeah, Michigan-Washington is going to be a great start. A great start to what should be a fun week with Super Wildcard Weekend to follow up with that. We will be back on next week where we will recap Michigan versus Washington. We will see who the national champion will be, and we'll also preview Super Wildcard Weekend as well. Enjoy Week 18. Happy New Year again, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Keep it locked and stay tuned. We got a lot more sports content coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.